Our scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Word of God. Amen. Thanks, Peter. I always love when Peter reads Scripture, just just the voice and, and all. So uh, it's a joy this morning to get to be together, one church worship. I always love uh, when we do gather in these services because we get to see folks that we may not normally get to see on a Sunday morning and celebrate uh, our one church quality. Uh, We often worship with two congregations, but we are one church here at CR Press, and it's a joy to get to praise God together uh, through blended songs and worship, and, uh, and I trust and hope that the Holy Spirit supersedes, uh, you know, when we run into technological difficulties, that we can still join and take joy in the presence of God uh, with us this morning. So we've been in a sermon series on uh, why worship. Why do we worship God the way we do uh, on a Sunday morning? Why do we offer our worship to God? And this builds off of our, our mission and vision. When we talk about inviting people to discover, follow, love, and share Jesus, we're extending the invitation to encounter Jesus in, in worship, to, to wake up to him on a Sunday morning and sing songs that, that declare who he is and, and then who we are in light of him. Our services follow a flow through confession and then through the message of extending an invitation to follow Jesus. And today, this message is going to be all about being a disciple or learner of Jesus and what that looks like practically in our day in, day out life. That being a disciple is meant to lead us into a life of love, love expressed through prayer, 
love expressed through the use of our, our gifts and to honor God, uh, to glorify him. And now as we get into just the last couple weeks of this series of messages, we're talking about what it means to share Jesus. Last week we looked at living a spirit-filled life and in light of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit empowers us to go and to serve. Today we talk about living a life on mission for Jesus. And we have some of our mission partners here, Luke and Jenny Heron, who are with us, and they're going to share uh, for a few minutes today. Uh, we're also, at the end of this service, going to bless and send uh, the Speroni family, because you may know that they're moving out of the area, and everybody say, everybody say oh, <laughs> because we love you guys, and we're going to bless and, and send you today where God is calling you to go. But in this invitation that Paul extends here in Ephesians 5, what we see is it's reflective of the call to discipleship. When we say we invite people to discover, follow, love, and share Jesus, it's essentially just our extrapolation of Jesus' invitation in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus there extends an invitation to to go and make disciples. but, But Jesus has been showing them all along, those disciples, what it means to make disciples. Followers, learners. When he says to, to go and teach you know, people to obey. He is the one calling them to go and teach, but he's also the, the content of the teaching. We teach about Jesus. And when he calls us to, to go and baptize, he's the one, along with the Father and the Spirit, we are baptized in two. So when he says go, the greatest reassurance we have is that he goes with us. He says, surely I am with you. So Jesus doesn't call us to live a life on mission on our own strength or ability. He doesn't say, okay, I'm out. I'm headed up to heaven. You guys go and do it. Good luck. No. As a church seeking to live on mission together, we do that empowered by the presence of Christ. And why we gather and worship on Sunday mornings is this is really our spiritual filling station. This is that space and time we gather together, we praise God in song, we hopefully experience his presence together, and and we're knit together as a body, as the body of Christ here at Sierra Press. We're encouraged in relationship together as we're drawn into relationship with him. Paul calls the Ephesians then to to live a life, a, a missional life, and, it, and it's a life that comes through connecting with God in worship and then saying no to some things so we can say yes to the best things. And he gives us kind of, you know, reasons why, incentives, let's call it, uh, to, to live a life of mission in imitation to God. I don't think it's just kids or my kids that, that need incentives. But I'm going to tell you, my kids, my two boys, thrive on incentives. There was a a, a jogathon, runathon at at their school at Union Hill Elementary about a week and a half ago. And and Beth said, okay, Levi, you know, if you're the the top of the class and laps, you know, there's going to be a reward. And of course, Levi's like, what are we talking about here? You know, what kind of reward are we... 
Well, Beth said, hey, I'll match whatever, you know, you get given to you, you know, as donations. So he's like, well, somebody, you know, gave me 25 bucks, you know, to donate to the school. So Beth says, okay, you know, if you're, you're top of the class in their laps, uh, you know, uh, you're going to get that, you're going to get 25 bucks. And, and he, he goes out there and he runs like 30 laps. He runs almost as many as Josh does, like in a half hour. And he comes out and he's like, oh yeah, top of the class, We're, show me the money. <laughs> but we're like that too, aren't we? We need to know that there's kind of incentives in, in, in a way in relationship with God. Not that we should base our relationship that way, but that there's goodness there. There's, there's blessing. There's benefit to seek after. And what we need to realize is that those rewards are bene- benefits of relating to God and living on mission are better than anything else. I was talking to a friend about this on Friday or Thursday. We were talking about ministry and how it's challenging. And, but I also said, hey, when we're partnering together in the gospel, when we're living a life on mission together and we're relating in that, there is nothing like it in, in the rest of the world. There's no greater joy. There's no greater privilege. So where's the invitation here? The invitation is to live a life of love instead of lust, we'll talk about this, to live in the light instead of darkness, and to live a life of wisdom rather than folly. And all of this comes as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And empowered by the Holy Spirit to do one thing centrally. And this is, you know, the starting point of living a life of mission. It's to live a life of imitation to Christ. Paul starts by saying, be imitators of Christ, therefore, as dearly loved children. The word for imitators is is mimete in the Greek. It's it's the Greek word that we use, you know, for uh, mimicking. You know, we're we're following, we're we're responding, and we're we're, we're mimicking behavior we see. So as disciples of Jesus, we want to mimic Jesus. We want to live a life that's reflective of the way he lived his life among us. To, to go and to serve and to, to care. And, and, and it says there, as dearly loved children. So, so the only way we're going to imitate Christ is we realize our identity is in him as sons and daughters of the living God. And then we're seeking to, to obey and respond to our heavenly father. We're seeking to, to do what he would have us do. To live like our brother, Jesus. To, to, to be imitators then means to go out and live out our identity in Christ as sons and daughters of the living God. To go, to, to mimic him. And if you recall, when the disciples were sent out by Jesus, even while he was still on earth, you know, he sent them out, and, and the Greek word is apostoloi. And it's basically sent out as like official representatives and ambassadors. You may have forgotten this this morning, so let me remind you. You are an official ambassador, part of the delegation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has sent you out on mission as his son or daughter. When we're children and we go into different places, I mean, what we do, what we say, how we act, you know, sort of, you know, it reflects upon our family, right? Well, similarly, the way we go and serve as part of Sierra Presbyterian Church hopefully becomes a reflection of our family here. And we're serving together in the strength of the Spirit and seeking to be imitators of Christ because of all he has done for us. We're all growing up. This is children in our church are growing up. 
Some are graduating here, just have, or they are in the next you know, week or two. I have a nephew. My older brother has uh, a nephew named AJ, and I hadn't seen him in about a year. And I, I went and watched one of his baseball games on Friday. I was like, whoa, like he's growing up. He's taller than I am now. And that's the way God wants us to grow up into Jesus, to, to not just stay childlike and, and kind of copying just out because it's just what we see, but because we're more and more embracing that life as imitators of God, as dearly loved children. An essential act of imitation is that of having a forgiving spirit, forgiving other people as Christ, as God in Christ forgave us. The way we imitate our Lord is to act just as he did. What did he do? He sacrificed himself and is an expression of love for us, which is not only the means of our salvation, but also the example of the way we are to live our life for the sake of others. Sacrificial love is what the world needs to see if they're going to see Jesus in us. And if the Ephesians wanted to know what life was meant to look like, Paul's saying, imitate Jesus. Look at him. One of, my, one of my songs, favorite songs right now by Chris Tomlin, and it's involved with country music artists that he collaborated with. And, and the song is called Be the Moon. And it's basically saying, be the moon to the sun. Reflect the sun's light and rays in this world. And the, the repeated refrain in the song is, I want to be the moon. Do you want to be the moon? Do you want to reflect the sun, Jesus, on earth? If so, it takes having a forgiving spirit and living a life of love. The Greek word here, as I often talk about, is beloved. It's agapeo, and it's basically living a life of unconditional love in this world as an act of sacrifice to God. Remember foundationally that God is love. And so if we're going to live a life in relationship with God that's mirroring God, that's imitating him, love is going to be the essential characteristic. The model of love is Christ himself because he laid his life down for us. Our whole lives then are meant to be an act of sacrifice, living sacrifice, lived in in gratitude and thanksgiving to God. It said that Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What's Paul saying there? He's saying Jesus became the sacrifice, that this Old Testament sacrificial system of animals and all that no longer necessary because Christ once and for all sacrificed for himself for us. And he did that as a sacrifice and a, and a, and a, a fragrant offering to God. It smelled really good. It was this aroma that, that would delight God, much like a sacrifice in the temple or you know, the smell of candles. What's our version of it in America this weekend? Barbecues. If I smell good barbecue, I'm there. If I smell like tri-tip like we had at the grad banquet about a week and a half ago, I'm in. Memorial Day weekend, American, we want a barbecue and you smell this barbecue and you're like, yeah, now it's Memorial Day weekend. Well, that aroma that's pleasing to us when we smell good barbecue. Our lives are like that aroma to God that, that, that emanates up and, and it smells good. And God is delighted in that fragrant offering when we live a life of sacrifice. Paul talked about this further uh, as he goes along. He says, walk in love. So it's not just live a life of love, but he's basically saying the way you walk, where you go, and who you are when you get there is meant to reflect 
the character of Christ. And it's not so much even where we go. We can walk into a bar. We could walk into many different environments, but be a a source of light in that space or place as a reflection of the character of Christ. It's been a while since I've told this story, so I'll use it again. Uh, In Santa Rosa, I was associate pastor there, and I was invited to a surprise birthday party that was at a bar. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to show up at 4 o'clock, person we're celebrating, 4.30. So I get there at 4, and I walk into the bar, and actually the first people I, first people I see was Luke's brother, uh, Kurt, and his wife, you know, Laura there. And I walk in, and I, I walk up to them, and I say, oh, you're here for the surprise party. When are they? They're like, no, we're just hanging out here. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Okay, you know, so the surprise party's happening. You probably see some other people from the church. Keep going on. I see somebody else from the church. Hey, you're here for the surprise party. They're going to show up in about 20 minutes. Where are we gathering? No, I'm just here hanging out, having a drink. I was like, oh, okay. And then I keep walking around, and I finally see a crowd of people. I'm like, this must be the surprise party group. And they're like, yes. I'm like, well, I just found out where the whole rest of the church hangs out on Friday night. This is good. But they're there and they're, they're being a witness because if I know Luke's brother Kurt, he's being a witness in that place. He's not having a, just having a drink. He's there sharing with somebody about Jesus because that's what Kurt does. So it's not about where you go so much as who you are when you get there and how you reflect Jesus. The Greek word is peripateo. It's how we walk, literally. And when we go into those places, we're meant to be a living sacrifice. Paul talks about this in Romans 12.1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of Christ, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This, this is your spiritual act of worship. So our life lived on mission is an act of worship to God. It's it's taking the worship and song that we do on Sunday morning that's significant and experiencing the filling station here, but it's saying this is only a springboard. This is only a taste. This is only a start of what it means to worship God. I'm going to go out and live life on mission as an expression of my worship. My whole life, your whole life, then becomes an act of worship to God. But Paul's pretty clear here is we're meant to offer ourselves to God in imitation of Christ. Uh, a good book here, if you want to get into this deeper, is a book by Thomas Akempis uh, called The Imitation of Christ. And, and he basically talks about, you know, the call to mirror Jesus in the way we live. And he says, let your name be praised, not mine. Let your work, not mine, be magnified. Let your holy name be blessed. But let no human praise be given to me. You are my glory. You are the joy of my heart. In you I will glory and rejoice all day. For I myself will glory in nothing. All that I seek, all others may seek their own interests. You, however, place my salvation and my profit first and turn all things to my good. It's about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. We talk about in the Westminster Confession. But it's so easy to become distracted from that. And Paul spends a fair amount of time in the passage talking about impediments to living a missional life. And unfortunately here, as Paul enumerates, there are obstacles or impediments to living on mission. It's not going to happen by accident. It only happens by intention. And there are things listed here uh, that we're not even meant to even to reflect or give a hint of. 
It talks about uh, sexual immorality. And the Greek word there is porneia. We talked about this last week, but, but it's you know, the root we get for pornography. And it's, and it's basically any sexual expression outside of the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Any of that uh, becomes an, an act that departs from God's mission. And, 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 and it says, and any kind of impurity, any way that, that we give ourselves away to, to someone else, or seek to, to, to have them meet our needs apart from the blessing of marriage between man and a woman. And it says, don't be greedy or covetous. And, and so, you know, part of what Paul's saying is, one of the ways we can get off track in living a life of mission is if we want to, you know, possess other people almost, or have them just be gratifying us versus giving ourselves away to other people in love. And, and again, sex is an amazing good gift. I mean, it's, it's an amazing gift, but God has given us a certain context for it. And if we, if we act outside of that context, we're outside of God's mission and direction. And we need to be realigned. And that realignment comes through living a life of self-sacrifice versus self-indulgence. And we know our culture is so oriented towards self-indulgence, you know, seeking to meet our own needs, instant gratification, Versus self-giving love and giving ourselves away in mission and ultimately experiencing treasures in heaven and the joy that comes from partnering in the gospel here and now. Essentially, the transition is from lust where we're seeking to possess and, and meet our own uh, pursuits for pleasure to, to the pursuit of love and likeness in Christ. He also talks about that there should be no obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. He's already talked about unwholesome talk, and he basically compares, you know, joking around and, and vulgarity, swearing, you know, um, you know, talking about things inappropriately. And he says, get rid of that and live your life as an act of thanksgiving to God. He's, he's basically saying, we have so much to be thankful for, we shouldn't have time or space for vulgarity. For using words that might be hurtful to other people or just don't reflect the light of Christ. Paul even goes on to say, This you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person will ever inherit the kingdom of God. You hear this and you're like, Great, I'm out. <laughs> and, and I'm out. It, it was that first initial reading, because we all find ourselves there somewhere. We can be greedy, we have impurity, we, we act out in ways that aren't in line with God's will and direction. But the question is one of identity. And when we, we have our identity in Christ, when we're rooted in him, we're reassured that we're a son or daughter based on what Christ has done for us, we live out that identity and that likeness. And we know that, that, our, that our inheritance in the kingdom of God is about what Christ has done for us, not what we do. And we receive that inheritance by grace and we celebrate it. And then we want to partner with God in it and getting the good news of grace out to other people. And man, you know, we as a church recognize that the people are dealing with more trauma than ever before. I mean, the past year and a half has, has uncovered latent, unaddressed hurt in so many people and many of us. And our call is to help people heal and then get set or reset on mission to give them a greater vision for their life. We had that transition today even worship as we praise God and we confessed our sin and then we sang, Be Thou My Vision. Like, I need new vision and direction for my life, God. And I need to hear that and receive that in light of God's word. 
to know that people are struggling out there is just to be in contact with other human beings right now. People are hurting. They don't have a strong sense of hope. And they can be drawn to other things that seem attractive right away, those shiny objects, those things that distract. and They seem to provide some life. But like John, uh, Jesus says in John 10.10, you know, I've come to give you life abundant and to the full, not, not life that's limited or uh, second best. Jesus is saying, I want to give you the best. And that best really is living a life on mission with God and partnering with him. Living a life of mission, then, as Paul continues to enumerate, is about living as a child of the light. He says, once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as a children, child of the light. Bear the fruit of light. The fruit of light, he says, consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. And he says, find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What will this look like in, in practice? It's about reflecting the fruit of the Spirit, of love and joy and peace, and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the way Christ's light shines through us. And the word light here is phos in the Greek. It's our word for uh, photography, root for our word photography. So we want to take a picture of Jesus, literally, and, and basically live that out. Or if somebody's taking a picture of our life, the question would be, are they seeing Jesus in us or not? I, th- I was thinking about photosynthesis and that process of, of plants, you know, and the sun and, you know, and growth and all that. And we need to experience spiritual photosynthesis in relationship with Jesus. And that only comes when we allow his light to pervade our lives and for it to direct us. Not to have false sources of, of light or not allowing the darkness to penetrate our lives. Levi and I have a practice Wednesday nights, usually after youth group, gathering, kids club. Uh, we go home. It's trash night in our house. And uh, we have a pretty big driveway up, up to where we have to take up our trash. Well, Levi's my, my trash buddy. And uh, we get geared up. And he's always the flashlight guy. And I take the two cans up. And, and we get up there together. And we take the trash up. Well, our usual practice is that Levi, you know, runs ahead of me and shines the light so I can see where I'm going as I'm pulling up the trash. But then we do something else. Well, after we drop the trash, off up top we've gotten rid of the the garbage we turn the light off and and we walk back home by by starlight and there's enough starlight because the darkness around our house that we can see really clearly the way home and we're allowing the natural light of the stars and the moon to, to guide us on our way home and similarly christ is saying allow my light to guide you home And allow my light to lead you forward. Don't allow false lights to penetrate your light or or just to become lost in the darkness. No, shine my light and pass on my light. Another image, I'll start to close with this. uh, Invite Robert up or Luke. um, Is on Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve, uh, my favorite part of Christmas Eve by far, I mean, I love preaching about Christ's coming. But at the end of Christmas Eve, we have the Christ candle over here, and I'll take a candle, I'll go get the Christ candle, and we all go outside, and we sing Silent Night by candlelight. And the joy is, you know, I'm usually out there, and I pass on the, the, the light, the flame, to one person. And then pretty soon, on normal Christmas Eve, there's a couple hundred people that have their candles lit. And then we sing Silent Night, and we go out. And the expression is stepping outside of our doors with the light of Christ and passing on that light to other people.
And all this, church, is an act of praise to God. Living a life of mission is about living your praise to God. Paul says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another as psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, we're going to talk about our worship and our praise. We're going to allow God to fill us through the power of the Holy Spirit, not, not, not get drunk on wine or alcohol, but live a Spirit-filled life. The invitation to be filled is the invitation to live your life on mission as a chosen person of God who's been called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And church, our world needs to see that light. And I pray that we're increasingly allowing that light to shine in us and through us so that other people can see Jesus.